As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A listener production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is, frankly, enjoying just a little more freedom. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me is, of course, the straw man himself, Mr. Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, Scott. Very good. Yes, nice to be a little bit freer, although I don't. It is. I haven't really taken advantage of it yet, to be honest. <laughs> me either, actually. I've, <laughs> I, uh, we caught up with some friends. Uh, we went to a cafe for brunch, and that's been it so far. We're, yeah. we're, it's, it's kind of one of those. Oh, man, start. Let's start with a tangent. Um, a fascinating start to the so hundred million dollars was spent apparently on the the first day of the New South Wales removal of lockdown restrictions, which was mm. Monday of last week, and then it kind of petered off. I think I said last week I was in a cafe with about three people um, Wednesday Thursday last week, whatever it was. So I had to go to the bank and then hang around for a bit to get something signed. Um, it, it, I, I don't. I'd be fascinated to know what's going on because, as you say. Uh, I think we're all feeling like it's nice to kind of psychologically have that freedom. I wonder how much money is actually being spent. I also, I hate how the press does this. You know, what would you say? $100 million spent. It's like, okay, that's just such a meaningless number. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a big it's number. Big. It's a big number. <laughs> but then you could turn around and say, oh, yeah, on an average day, that's what Australia spends. You know, so it's kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it sort of lacks context. So yeah. what, do, do you have a sense of how, how much that is, how different that was from sort of a pre-COVID normal? Andrew, you know much better than to ask me to do research for this podcast. Okay, okay, right. so, no, I have I have no idea other than apparently it was big enough to report. So I'm going to assume it was up to some degree. I'm going to assume it wasn't down. But as you say, a question of how much more it's up. I do know, for example, that bookings to, and these are Commonwealth Bank numbers, bookings to hairdressers, remedial massage and beauty spas were all up more than sevenfold in the first four days of last week. So mm-hmm. that, that's that's some some sort of recovery. Um, apparently, by the way, speaking of that, we might get to this in a little bit, but uh, in Queensland, bookings on Virgin planes are up 148%. Wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. Uh, sorry, sorry let, let me jump in. Uh, up, up from pre-COVID levels or from... No, no, no. No, from last week, previous weeks. Oh well, that's another meaningless number, isn't it? It's it's like saying what? I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent more awake now than I was eight hours ago. You know, it's sort of <laughs> you know. Why do you want to steal people's joy, Andrew? Why are you <laughs> just, so de- Why are you so desperate to be miserable, mate? Come on, <laughs> just, Let, let's 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 lean back on the virtual motley for money couch and and talk about why you can't be happy for Queensland. <laughs> I can. I can be really happy. I just these these numbers just lack context, and I think you know it's sort of it's it, it you, you miss you miss the true story when when you do that when you when you it's like me sort of uh, 
<laughs> trawling through the ASX and finding a stock that's happened to go up at 80% in the last week and said, look, oh, this stock's gone up 80% in the last week. You actually pan back and you go, yeah, but it's down 90% over the last <laughs> 10 years. And it basically went from one cent to 1.8 yeah. cents. I mean, it sounds great until you sort of get the, you, 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 you need that, um, that, that broader view. So I think, anyway, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. The media does it all the time. We've talked about it before when they say, $40 billion wiped off the market today. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What, you mean it was down 0.7 of a percent? Or, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's one, of, one, of my, one of my pet hates. <laughs> Sorry, I, inter- I interrupted. So, 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 so Queenslanders <laughs> are spending more, 100, 148% more compared to... I love, I love the way you've raised, it, you've raised it and gone, so how do I get this back to a reasonable conversation? <laughs> I'll restate what Scott said and forget I just criticised the entire, you know, for the first three and a half minutes of the podcast, I completely destroyed his opening and made him start again. Is that, is that what you're trying to do now? I, I, I mean, I can, I can imagine a hairdresser listening to this going, yeah, that sounds really great, but I have been like doing it so tough. And, you know, you've gone, I, I, I did one cut, you know, behind a glass screen last week and now I've just gone back to normal. But, oh, now I'm doing 148% better. No, That's, no, 700% for hairdressers. 148 uh, was virgin flights. Oh, sorry, on. sorry, sorry. Nuance Try and get- context. It's, it's sadly lacking in today's world, I think. It, I feel seen. I feel attacked. Uh, not you, uh, not you, not you. You're the messenger. I'm just, I'm just, you know, th- these headlines just get me. But, but continue, but continue. St- stay tuned, <laughs> listeners. He's in a punchy mood and this is going to be a fun podcast. I, I am. I, I can am tell already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I'm going to have to start doing this later in the day, obviously. I'll give you more coffee. I'm not sure. Maybe there's too yeah. much coffee. I don't know. Oh, this is going to be fun. I've been dealing with real estate agents all week. I'm in a bad <laughs> mood. <laughs> And Mark I'm going to take it out here. <laughs> 22nd of October is either going to be our best or our last podcast. I'm not sure which. But we will, we will find out. We will find out. Well, actually, so funnily enough, mate, we're actually, I was going to end up in roughly the same point because you've seen the agenda. And I, 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 the, the headline I wrote down was, so much freedom, now what? Mm. And that's kind of the story, right? Because, mm. uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, context is important. Also, I think while a lot of money was apparently, allegedly spent, $100 million, mm. did I mention that? On, uh, on day one, um, the, the question of kind of how quickly we get back to things is kind of, you know, it, it is kind of the, the what next kind of question for, for all of us. And we've talked plenty about this in terms of the investing takeaway, so I'm not going to keep doing that over and over again. If you listen to a few episodes, you know our thoughts on this, but um, there is some kind of lull and, and potentially, mate, uh, what I will talk about a little bit is, is I, want to, I want to ask you about an investing strategy mm-hmm. because we've talked about, We've talked about stocks that have been hurt by COVID. We've talked about stocks that uh, the, the old reopening trade. I don't know how many times I've been asked on media. I'm sure you've been asked the same. Ugh. You know, which which stocks are going to benefit from the reopening, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, well, here's the problem though, right? So it's a stupid question, except that if you look at the market, it actually might be a real question, at least as far as share prices go. And the reason I say that is because, I, like, I own shares in ACU Milk, so let me put that on the on the table for full disclosure. I also own shares in Blackmores and Treasury, so I'm massively exposed to the China reopening, right, just in general economically. Mm. In the past month, A2 Milk shares are up 30%. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this on, on Wednesday, the 20th of October. 30% in the space of a month, and that's not got anything to do or got much to do at all with the business itself. And I guess that's kind of why, you know, I, I think there's... I want, to, I want to draw our listeners back to the, the, the combination of those two factors, right? Because we can mm. say, you and I can say, with absolute confidence and absolute evidence and logic and rationale behind us, if you like the company a month ago, you should like it just as much now because if and when a reopening happens and if and when A2 benefits, 
it's going to be worth more or less or the same at that point. And yep. so the, the passing between the 21st of September and the 20th of October, that, that one month, nothing changed in the business's outlook, but the shares still rose 30%. So mm. we would say it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. What are you worrying about? Mm. Our listener would say, fine, except the shares are now up 30%. Or, in, or conversely, by the way, they could have been down 30% on the, exactly the same thing where sentiment drove the shares down rather than up. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about, you know, last week we talked about, you know, understanding the bear case, right? Understanding maybe even better than the bears what the downside is. Mm. And I just thought it was worth just kind of taking something in between those two points and saying, you don't, you don't have to, you should never, well, I, I don't think, you, I'm sure you don't think, you should play the game of trying to second guess what the market might do next because that's a mug's game, right? You, you can't no, forecast sentiment or moods. It's like it's like asking what you know, what mood your partner's going to be next Wednesday when they come home from work, right? Yeah, you just it's like maybe maybe you guess right, but you, there's nowhere to know. Like, no. how, how bad is their day at work going to be next Wednesday? I got no idea. And when no they come idea. home, they'll be stoked or, or t- miserable or somewhere in between. Yeah. But it's also to, to to torture my horrible metaphor. If your partner's in a bad mood when they get home, you can say to yourself, oh, "That's going to lift." I'm I'm pretty sure that's actually going to lift. In, in other words, I can see where there's a gap between what the the mood is and what the long-term reality is likely to be. Equally, if they've had the best day ever, you might say, well, I'm really glad they're happy, but, you know, that's probably, that, that's an unusually great day. Even if they love work, mm. the, you know, the average is not going to be quite that good. And, and that's, I mean, our job as investors is to find those mispricings, right? Is to, is to identify and look for those things. And I guess I just thought it was worth just touching on a little bit because while we talk about reopening trade and we think it's silly and we think investors should be able to look through it, the fact the rest of the market doesn't actually presents us with opportunity right for to, to buy or to sell or or to add more or to or just simply you know ignore it anyway but but know what's happening so mm. i guess I'd, i'll just ask you broadly just to comment on that bit of the, the nexus between those two concepts that the investors are faced with literally every day but certainly at big swing times like this when sentiment does move meaningfully in both directions yeah i guess i'd sort of um borrow the phrase that that, that you like and i do too it's this it's important but unknowable so it's just like well <laughs> yeah. yeah if i if i could if i could know or predict or anticipate these 30 percent mm-hmm. sort of swings in advance yeah great but i but i can't so i don't um and it, it's it's really frustrating but but it's just it the, the biggest advantage you have and this is you can't overstate this enough as a as a and as a private investor but really frankly as any kind of investor <laughs> yeah. is 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 someone who's able to look beyond 12 months because yeah yeah fun, you know the vast majority of fund managers and professional money managers aren't they're all they're all trying to sort of beat benchmarks over that various uh, over that time frame mm. most people don't have the um I guess we're all just we're, we're hardwired as a species to, to we're not good at long term <laughs> yeah. thinking, yeah. but if yeah. you can do that, it is mm. it is such a massive edge, like a phenomenal edge, and and it just it just means that you can put a lot of this stuff aside. So I don't know what Mister Marker he's going to knock on mm. knock on the door tomorrow, next week, next <laughs> month. What mood he's going to be? I have no idea. He's an yeah. idiot. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> you are punchy. You are uh, definitely punchy. Oh, he, he is. He, he's, he's crazy. But but I mean, there is there is there is, uh, and this is this is um, undeniably true. Over over time, he broadly he does get it right. And and here's the challenge I put out for anyone listening out there: you find me a stock that over a ten year period has material materially appreciated in value, mm. or, or conversely fallen away. And I will guarantee you that you will see a, a, a similar trend in the per share earnings of the business. Almost guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, not almost, yeah. guaranteed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, guaranteed. It just over a long a, enough period of time, right? 
there is a financial gravity there that I mean things yeah. can go all over the place in the meantime, but it, it yeah. does. So that, so and that's really hard to predict as well. But it's much mm. easier to predict. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, it's it's all hard, but there are some things that are impossible, and there are some things that are just a bit more diff and that are difficult. Yeah. And and yeah. so again, I, you know, I, I, it sounds it's a really it's a really um, unsatisfying answer. Because here you are sort of saying, oh, I got no idea. It's going to be really scary to move but eventually it'll be okay. Like that's... <laughs> Trust me, it'll be fine, yeah. Sell yeah. me, you know, try and sell me on this, yeah. uh, buddy. Yeah. This, this is not working. Whereas there's, <laughs> there's, there's a bloke over there in a, in a nice suit um, promising you that, you know, if only you follow these three indicators, <laughs> you'll be buying a Tesla <laughs> in three weeks' time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go listen to that guy. You know, I want, I yeah. want, the, I want yeah. the easy answer. Um, yeah. And and don't we all? Don't we all? But but I don't have one, unfortunately. So so the question the question I was just going to say so just bring it back. So the question with with A mm. two mm. milk is is what caused it to go down? Is that something that is structural and lasting, or is it mm. something that is temporary? And if it is something that is genuinely temporary, even by, by temporary we mean for a sort of couple of years, um, then then this is this is a heck of an opportunity, right? Um, but, that, but, that's, that's but at least point. you know what. At least you know what to focus on. Now I know what mm-hmm. my what. What is the question that I now need to seek to answer? Not, mm-hmm. oh my god, th- shares are up thirty percent. Have I missed it? Haven't I? It's the wrong question to ask, and it's the question that everyone else is asking. And just forget about it, right? I, I agree. I, I guess my point was actually not now, but a month ago, right? So my 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 takeaway, my observation is that the opportunity. Yes, you can say don't try and make sense of of movements. I think that's absolutely right. But on the assumption that the recent movement was at least getting toward... Now, maybe the, maybe the market's wrong, right? Maybe the 30% gain is, is completely now totally wrong. But on the assumption that it's not, and it might, you know, again, I'll, I'll assume that doesn't matter which company is, happens to be on our own, but it could be anything. Um, a month ago, seems like it might have been a great buying opportunity, right? If this, if this rally continues, and as you say, we can't know because the market could be as wrong now as it was then or even mm. more wrong or slightly less wrong or somewhere in between. So there's a big continuum of possibilities. I guess my point is, even for a growth investor, being a little bit contrarian from time to time, or at least having that concept in your head, I think can be really, really profitable. So mm. my, my takeaway from this is not so much does the 30% matter. It's not that at all. It's that, you know what, th- you know, the, the market is now feeling so much better at A2 than it was literally 20 trading days ago. Mm. Shares have gone up an average of one and a, what is it, one, yeah, 1.5% per day on average mm. over those 20 trading days because the market's feeling better. And so yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying be contrarian for the sake of it. I'm not saying go and search for, you know, crappy clapped out stocks that might jump 10% if the market changes its mind. But if you can see a, a case where the market is either really, really, really excessively, you know, negative, pessimistic, or on the other hand, if you own some shares, the market's stupidly optimistic. If you look at that and go, I mean, sure, like it's a good business, but can it really grow that fast? Is the market, you know, really rationally pricing that right now? I guess I'm just saying those are opportunities in my mind to really think about when you're being handed an opportunity, when the market walks up to you, you mentioned Mr. Market, who is, as, as, as Buffett's analogy goes or metaphor goes, stupidly, um, you know, extreme in his emotions, right? And sometimes mm. he hates the heck out of it. Like, think about COVID, March 2020. Mm. The market lost its collective mind mm. with shares down 40%, right? At some future point, at some last point, take the dot-com boom in 1999, the market was stupidly optimistic that the, mm. the prices that were being paid, the multiple were being paid, were just absolutely crazy. And at those times, if you owned dot-com shares, that was a great time to sell. If you didn't own shares or you had some cash to deploy, March 2020 was a wonderful time to buy. And I guess I'm just making that point that if we go back 30 days and say, well, you know, is A2, do I think A2 Milk's future is bright now? 
And if I did, then, then a month ago I should have felt even better about it because it was the same future at a much, much cheaper price. And I guess that's only my point. It's not that the, not the movement of prices themselves mean anything, but if you're an investor who's happy to and, and can make themselves see through the moodiness of the market, right? If you can, if you can even though the market's saying, oh, I took China, terrible, 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 blah, 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 all that stuff, when that gets, well, that's the overwhelming um, uh, narrative, if you get the right business, that can be a great time to buy, right? Because everyone else hates it. That's when you're getting being offered a, a really good price. Yep. Um, well, I, one, one quick observation and then a, and then yeah, a point. So the other one, I just I opened up the chart of A2. So yep. in uh, April 10, January, February, March, April, oh, sorry, May 10, mm-hmm. <laughs> I still, still don't know the, uh, the order of the month. Um, it's, <laughs> You'll get it. It, it, kids. it was it was 555 and then at the start of the July, it was 750. So higher than yep. it is now. So in other words, it went yep. up, it went up yep. 30 plus percent in, the, yep. in that 20 odd trading days. Exactly. And, and we could have been having that conversation, the exact conversation now. As it turns out, it actually dropped massively and then went back up. So it's just, just a huge amount of yeah. volatility. So, I, so, yeah, so you might be able to sort of say, oh, wouldn't have that been great? But actually, if you'd bought in, in May, uh, mm. any, any gain that you made on paper, unless you locked in and it's all been, you, you've actually gone away and then now it's only now just sort of starting to come back. So it's all, it's all, it's all kind of noise. But the broader point that I would want to make is, is that how do you know if it's an opportunity or not? If you don't know what the thing is worth, yeah, like this is so. Forget this bloody share market. <laughs> God, I hate it. <laughs> you know, forget about the share market. You're a billionaire. Yeah. You're a multi yeah. multi billionaire, and Seriously? and and wow. you're looking at buying a business. <laughs> and A two, the board of A two say we're actually we're we're considering um, offers. Mm. What what do you want to pay for the business yeah. now? You don't have you don't have a, a traded market out there necessarily telling you what they think. Mm, mm. Um, what do you think? What would you pay mm. for it? You know, if I, I say Scott, mm. I've got a little lemonade stand at the end of the street. You know, I mm. what, what do you want to pay me for it? Well, you'd go, oh, geez, I don't know. What, what assets do you have? You know, what's mm, mm. Uh, how much money did you make last week, uh, last month, last year? Mm, mm. Uh, what are the sales trends like? Uh, what kind of mark? You start going through all of these questions. And you know what? None of the questions you ask are, what did the other bloke offer you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or what's other, you know, it's maybe it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to know, but you, whether it's cheap or expensive uh, on the market is something that is, is absolutely fundamentally unanswerable without an independent assessment of value. And this is what, again, puts a lot of people off because like, oh, crap, how do I value a company? Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> we've talked about it before. It's a whole other thing. Yeah. But like most things in life, all the worthwhile things are a little bit hard, you know, being, being fit and healthy. <laughs> that's hard. Being financially prudent. That's hard. <laughs> you know, being a good human being. It's hard. Um, and, 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 and independently, objectively value a business. It's hard. But is it worthwhile? Oh, my God, yes. Because if you can look at that, and basically say, well, here is a business, <clears throat> makes so much money. It's before COVID, growing like the clappers, huge opportunity. I, I, I reasonably think that in five years' time, they'll be able to sustain this kind of growth rate. And they'll sort of be able, you, you start, you start asking, again, you start asking the right questions and you start coming to a sense of, of what is, 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 is reasonable as what is not. And it's only then, then and only then, do you look at the share market and say, okay, I mean, again, it's this whole, that, that, that saying, you know, the market is there to serve, not to inform. So you might think, actually, I've done a whole bunch of work. I would happily pay $8 for A2. What can I get it for on the market? Oh, seven bucks. 
Oh, fantastic. I mean, here I am thinking it's worth eight and now the market's giving me a discount. Now I've made a, now I've actually made, I, I can make a judgment on that price. Or maybe it's, maybe I thought, no, no, I wouldn't pay more than four bucks for this business giving the troubles that it's had. Oh, the market was only going to sell it to me for $7. You know, it's just, you, you have to, you have to, I, I just, I just don't know how else to, to get around that, that problem. Um, <laughs> without having it, without having an independent view. Yeah. I think that's right, Matt. I think I think my point, though, we're actually, I mean, we're we're in furious agreement. Yeah. I think what my yeah. my point is more that if you if you are listening to the market, so the reopening trade idea, that very kind of idea, it suggests that, and here's the way the reopening trade, and this is this is going to be in the minds of many of our listeners, right, or at least they will have heard it or read it in the papers today or tomorrow or you know see, see it on TV. This idea of okay, well, look. So when Australia reopens, then people will get on planes. That means Qantas will have more business. That means Qantas should be worth more money, right? And so because it's now happening, the the the, the dialogue, the the kind of um, uh, you know the the logic that's unstated is now we're reopening. There must be something to do. There must be some reason to buy. There must be something going on. Mm. And I think my point, whether it's Qantas or A two or anybody else, is exactly yours, which just from a different perspective, which is. Firstly, if you wait for the good news to be priced in, you miss the opportunity. So if you're waiting for the event, and think about the COVID recovery, right? So many people in March 2020 said, I'll wait until till COVID's gone, then I'll start investing again. Hmm. And guess what? Hmm. You missed literally a 70% recovery. Hmm. Like that, you know, so, so if you wait for the, same with the reopening, you know, the, the A2 milkshakes are up 30% and now there's an announcement about the reopening and by the time we, they start selling stuff in China, by the time the Daigu trade returns, if it does, assuming it does, it, it, you know, it will be 12 months. Mm. And, and the, the gains will be had because the market's supposed to look forward. As you say, the market gets it roughly right more often than not. Mm. And so that very idea of looking forward and saying, but hang on, <laughs> that's already happened. Mm. That's kind, that's, to me, at least, that's kind of the point. That is kind of the idea. And I think where, where, I'm, where I'm coming from is if you wait for the market or the media or the business community or the headlines or whatever it is to say to you, hey, now you can go and buy company X, which will happen, right? The talk now is, okay, well, tour, international tourists are coming back. Okay, but A2 is already up 30%. Now, again, maybe that doesn't happen. And again, I, you know, I don't mm. care if we use the example or not. We can use something else. Um, just that very idea of, you know, being a little bit contrarian. You know, as you say, mm. if it's worth eight bucks, it was worth eight bucks a month ago. Mm. And it's still worth eight bucks now, even though the price is up 30%. And so the better time to buy in hindsight, if you believed it was worth, now if it's worth $2, then that both prices are still very expensive, right? So I'm not, again, yeah. I'm not saying it's necessarily worth it. All I'm saying is if you had that view that this is a company that is worth eight bucks or nine bucks or 10 bucks or two bucks or five bucks, the, the, the best opportunities to buy those and the hardest times are when everybody's disagreeing with you. And that's the hard part with investing, right? You made, oh, yeah. you made the point about the market being there to serve, not to, not to inform is, mm. you know, a month ago when A2Milk sales have been down, you know, tourists aren't returning, you know, that, that stuff, that's really, really hard to buy at that point because everyone wants to say, oh, well, what if I'm wrong? Maybe I should wait until the good news. Then when I get the good news, then I'll buy. And that's what cost you a 70% gain on the market. It's what cost you a 30% gain on A2. Mm. If you're now, you know, people are, here's the other thing I suppose we talk about, right? But people are actually buying right now. A month mm. later, they didn't buy a month ago. They bought today or yesterday at a 30% premium in theory because something has changed in their minds that makes it worth buying. Mm. And your point and my point is if you be a little bit contrarian in your thinking, not necessarily even the price you pay, just as you say, being or independent maybe is better than contrarian, but just that idea mm. of, Tell me how much it's worth based on its full future, you know, from now till eternity, earnings. Work out how much that's worth and then say, but hang on, I think there's going to be a recovery. And I think if, you know, when, if and when there is a recovery, this is worth X and profit's going to be Y. And this is, this is an $8 stock. This is a $9 stock. This is a $7 stock. It's offered to me now at $5.50 because that's, you know, people can't see past tomorrow. 
Mm. I guess I'm just making that point. You know, don't wait for the market to agree with you. By definition, that's the gains are exactly in the period between when you're right and the market's wrong, and when the market's right. Because by the time it's right, the ga- the gains have already been had. Right. That if once the market's right, there's no point buying the shares because you can't beat the market. Mm. Buying them at that point because they're fairly priced. You need to buy the stuff the market's wrong about. That's why it's so bloody hard, right? Because you've literally <laughs> got to hold your nose and say, oh man, like the market hates A2 right now or it hates this small tech company or it hates this, you know, whatever, right? And and But the other thing I would say, mate, is conversely, if you see the sort of gains, I don't know if, if I own Qantas shares, and I don't know if they're up or not, I haven't checked. If Qantas is up a lot because the reopening is happening, I'm like, Oh, you know what? I've been I've been given a, I've been given a gift, right? Someone said to me, "Hey, guess what? You can you can sell." It's like the iron ore price at two hundred twenty bucks a ton. Mm. Again, you know the optimism. We have, we've seen the BHP share price crater, the Fortescue share price crater, because it was never sustainable. But the market at that point just didn't want to see the future. Mm. And if you could be contrarian, if you own BHP, whether you bought it for the long term or you bought it for a trade or you bought it for whatever, at two hundred twenty bucks a ton for iron ore, you've got to be looking at it going. Oh, hang on. <laughs> you know, like this is this this is this is crazy. These are software margins. Surely this can't continue. You know what? I'm not sure that we're, I'm not being offered a you know a, a made an offer I can't refuse right now to sell those shares. And I guess that's what I'm saying is mm. people were all buying then because the profits were up. And why would you sell BHP when profits are up? And the answer was because they're not sustainable. And you've got to think that through, yeah. as you said, whether it's independently, whether it's just thinking contrarily, or or looking for areas where the market's mispricing stuff. It's all kind of the same. It's all kind of the same conversation. I think that's why. I don't know. Just the, the A2 thing stuck out because I own the shares. Probably noticed it, but I was asked about it on the news the other night. Just because it because it. It just stuck out. It was like, hey, this is a really big gain. And it seems to be not company related at all, just purely you know, investor sentiment related. Mm. And I, just, I just figured that's when you've got, you know, that, that's when the market does give you opportunities, right? When you can be right and we think the market's wrong. The market's the only place in the world where it, the higher, more expensive it gets, the more attractive it gets. Now, <laughs> yeah, that's right. If I'm buying... Oh, that and so- that that NFTs, but it's a whole different conversation. And what, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> non fungible tokens. I oh, that's, yeah, right. Let's, let's not go. Let's not go there. Okay, let's not go there. But, but, but okay. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like generally yeah. speaking, if I'm buying a computer, a car, a house, or whatever. I want it to go down, mm. right? I want it. To, I want it to the cheaper. That I can right. get it for the better. <laughs> and yet, when the, right. when the stock market goes down, people yeah. go, "Oh, I don't like this." And then when it goes up, yeah. it's like, "Oh, it's more expensive now. I'm going to buy it." <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> It's yeah, crazy. everyone thinks I should buy. I'm going to buy now. As Warren Buffett uses the example of uh, a bloke who cheers when the when the petrol price goes up just because he's got a full tank. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to buy it again when the tank's empty, dude. Like, you know, don't be too excited. Oh, it's it's so insane. <laughs> I, I I really don't get it. Um, and it's yeah, also really. the other the other huge misconception I think or assumption <laughs> is that yeah. to do well, like we sort of talked about how well the market's gone since the COVID low on the road, but it just mm. it does kind of it, it's this idea that. For me to do well as an investor, I've got to know when it's at the bottom or, or really close to the bottom, which is also nonsense as well. Sure. I mean, I am—I will put on the record, I am the world's worst stock market timer. If I'm buying a share, mm-hmm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a business where whenever I buy something, I tell everyone and then they can short it and they'll make a million dollars in the short term. <laughs> right? And the day I sell some shares is the day before it triples, yeah. right? So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's just I can't do it, and I just suck mm, at it. Mm. And I, I'm all, but 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 I've done pretty well, you know. It's kind of it, it's another it's another myth that it's like buy low, yeah, sell yeah. high. It's like no, it's not. Um, yeah. you, you you can get the timing horrendously wrong, horrendously wrong. But if you if your reasoning is right, if your valuation is roughly right, mm. it just mm. outs over time. I mean, I can give you a thousand examples here. I mean. 
I could yeah. have bought I could have bought CSL thinking you know uh, you know back in back in I don't know let's let's go let's go back to 2001 Seventeen dollars. Thinking this is a business. Oh, mm. This is a business that's just you know really strong. I really love CSL, by the way. I think it's a great Aussie success story. Absolutely fantastic. And yet, and yet, had I done that, I would have been. I would have watched my shares halve over the next year or so. Mm, mm. And then I would have had. It would have been until. Let me have a look at my chart here. So sorry. So yes, end of two thousand and one, about seventeen bucks. In two thousand and three, it was five bucks. It took until 2006 for me to even make my money back. What a horrendous investment. You can can see the demons are going to come at night and just haunt you, you know, with with that. Your partner's going to be telling you how much of an idiot you are. Um, The market's telling you how much of an idiot you are. And yet, imagine the opportunity. If I could say to you, here's a DeLorean time machine. Go back to, I'm going to, here's an opportunity. You can only go back to the end of 2001 and you can only buy CSL shares. Would you do it? (laughs) Yes. Mm. Not only would I do it, but I would back up the truck. I'd sell a kidney, you know, whatever. And and, and a really great example of awful market timing. But if you're right, if you're roughly Mm. right, that, that kind of stuff just falls by the wayside. And... And very few people can can do it. Not not because they're not smart enough. Uh, because they don't. It's it's the emotional fortitude dimension to to all of that about mm. sticking to your convictions. Not not totally, as you, yep. not not just being stubborn. No no no. I'm right. I'm right. No, but, <laughs> That's you know, right. Actually, having a good reason and rationale sort yep. of behind yep. it, and and understanding yep. that the market's gonna you know make you look like an idiot. This is one of the best skills you can have as an investor is being comfortable with looking like an idiot for a long time, and and I'm. <laughs> Very, I'm very good at looking like an idiot, um, but I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Look, like, you know, it, it, it's and it, it's it, it's it's always better to be able to try and get it at the lowest point and to sell it. Obvious, yeah. obviously, yeah. it is. Yeah. But does it? It doesn't preclude all of these things. And I just think that so off. I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm really, I'm, I'm personally really sick of all the media stuff because it is the conversations are just. So, I get in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this not this podcast, but okay, but, thank you. But the other stuff because it is it's all this it's, it's all this inane. Here's here's how you know it's inane. Let, let, let's record yeah. the finance news today and let's come look at mm. it in six months' time and see how relevant it is. It's yeah, it's totally. it's totally irrelevant, um, yeah. and no one's no one's talks about the the stuff that that, that really matters, um, and. It's it's frustrating, but the, race, the race calling, right? Like I, I think, you know, yeah. there's the old story of you know in the US there was once a one hour of business news on TV on one channel a week. Yes, <laughs> and now you've got multiple multiple business channels doing effectively twenty four seven coverage, or at least you know during their market hours. And I think, I, I you know, you and I both te- both appear on on business TV. I think there is a role for some part of what that is. But the whole why is up two percent today? Why is that falling one percent today? The all odds is up zero point one percent so far this morning, and the futures say this. I think that the race calling element of it, mm. I think, is is doing doing, and, that, and that's why I mean, that's why we're talking about it, right? That's why this podcast is important. Hopefully, that's why I, I hope we're helping people is realizing the the right thing. I, you know, I love business service talking about new businesses or you know discussing the pros and cons of an investment case. That's where it can be super useful. Mm. But I think where it gets to the whole, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen by tomorrow, and frankly, asking people who. Maybe do, maybe don't have a have a clue and or an ability to predict that sort of stuff. You kind of go, uh, and, but this is a problem. Right? The, the other thing is, it's like all media. Why do, why do people write it? Because people read it. Why, why do people put it on TV? Because yeah. people tune in to hear that stuff. 
Um, and that's why it's so important. And I know it, I know it frustrates you from time to time as we can hear. But it's important, right? Because there are people who will leave this podcast and, or have either never heard us say this or who once they, once they press the stop button, this podcast will turn on the, the nightly news or open the paper or jump online and see exactly the sort of stuff we're railing against. And, yeah. you know, unless we make the point that, hey, guys, that's not investing, that's not how this is supposed to be done, mm. um, you're welcome to follow someone else if you want to, but just understand at least our view on that, which is, you know, there's not much in that which is going to help you invest better necessarily mm. if it's not about the fundamental value of the business, as you say, mate, and or, the, the, you know, the, the separating out the difference between the business itself and the sentiment of the market. I mean, I do, you know, again... You know, Buffett, Buffett talks about that. Again, the Mr. Market analogy, right? Sometimes you'll offer you a stupidly low price and you're free to buy or sell. You'll offer you a stupidly high price, you're free to buy or sell or do nothing in both cases. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's probably the, the, the broader picture, right? How much does it need to matter? Well, the reporting, probably not. But but no. the, the data, the information there, if, if A2 does go on to be worth something north of $10 at some point, then buying a month ago and holding your nose and being, as you say, being comfortable with looking wrong or looking silly, mm. that's where the value is. Even though everyone around you is saying, why would you buy A2? Look at their sales, they're down. Again, this may end up being a terrible example because they may go bankrupt tomorrow for all I know. Yeah. But um, you yeah. know, it's one of those situations where, it, I mean, pick a part. Woolworths went from 40 to 20 and back to 40, right? Really simple example. Mm, mm. At 20 bucks, Woolies was dead in the water. No one wanted to buy it. No one wanted to touch it. It was obviously a terrible business. All those things were allegedly true. Mm. Now back to 40 bucks. It has been there for years now. Mm, um, mm. At that point, was it really worth half the price it is now? Or conversely, is it really now worth double what it was then? Mm. Maybe both are true. Maybe both are wrong. But- it pays to know the difference because if you could have bought it 20, you'd sit, you'd sit down. I mean, who gets a double in Woolies? And yet yeah. that's exactly what you could be doing, right? Now, I, I didn't buy Woolies. I don't think it's, you know, I, I doubt it's beaten the market over that period of time. I know you don't love Woolies as a business and investment either, but- I love it as a business. No, exactly, no, no. Right? No, I think it's a fantastic business. <laughs> you just don't want to buy it at the current price. I'm not, for a, yeah, it's, it's being, it's, yeah, it's very expensive. Let's move on. <laughs> um, mate, let, let's let's dip quickly in, into interest rates. We're not going to talk property this time because uh, we know our listeners have heard enough of us on that. Um, but it, I just wanted oh. to flag one. <laughs> well, we'll let you do your own. You should do your own just podcast we never actually published, mate. You should uh, rant into the microphone for half an hour a week. That's <laughs> that's actually the name of it. It's called Shouting, in, <laughs> Shouting into the Wind with Andrew Page. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's talk about interest just very quickly. The only reason I say this is because there is something I think is going on in the market and just just as a personal finance element rather than investing, rather than property, um, we've seen Commonwealth Bank and Westpac over the past week hike their fixed mortgage rates. Mm. And it's, you know, the, and speaking, of, speaking of business media, and, and frankly, this is the RBA's fault and the bank's fault and all sort of stuff. The, the usual thing is the RBA raises rates, the banks raise rates. The RBA drops rates, the banks r- drop rates mm. eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, you know, and, and the, the fiction is, oh, okay, well, that's because the RBA controls the bank's cost of borrowing. Mm. And that's true, but only for a portion of their debt. Yeah. So the banks, depending on the bank, somewhere between, I think the most I've seen is about 42% and as little as about a quarter, give or take, but in that kind of range. Mm. Between 25 and 40% of bank lending actually comes from the overseas wholesale markets. Yeah. So if you think about your costs, right? If you were an Australian bank and all your funding came from, from Australian depositors and from the RBA, you'd go, cool, okay. Whatever mm. the RBA does, that's my interest rate. That's easy. Yeah. But if you've got two, if you, if, you're, if you make bread and you've got, you know, flour and water and for years you've said, well, when the fl- cost of flour goes up, I'll put my bread up and when the cost of flour goes down, I'll put the price of bread down. Mm. People go, okay, cool, I'm used to that. And then all of a sudden the price of water goes up. Mm. And now they're stuck and we're surprised because we didn't realise or remember 
that actually there were other ingredients that mattered. And so I just, mm. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone what they should do. There are individual reasons. We've had questions before about should I fix or should I not? Um, and that's that's an individual decision. We might talk about that another time maybe. But mm. all I wanted to do this time, mate, was just mention that if you're looking at a fixed rate, I'm not so sure now wouldn't be a great time to at least do the maths and at least consider it because I expect that fixed rates will be meaningfully higher over the next three, six, nine, or 12 months. Mm. And you might look back and go, ah, oh, bugger, I really could have, should have, might have, you know, at least discussed, at least considered, at least had a chat with my accountant or my financial planner or my broker or my partner and said, hey, should we fix our mortgages? Now, whether you should or not, it's up to you, completely up to you. Um, but I think it's one of those things where I just want, just want our listeners to know that it's probable that US rates continue to rise. Global rates continue to rise. We've seen New Zealand take their rates up. A couple of other European countries have already gone up. It is the way things are going to move in my view. Mm. If I'm right, you'll see higher variable rates and higher fixed rates in future. Mm. So if you're thinking about fixing, I'm not saying do it at all. Uh, I'm really not. I'm not even pretending not to say it. I'm genuinely saying there are reasons to fix and there are reasons not to fix. And I don't mm. want anyone to do it just because they think that's what I'm saying. And there's a, there's a whole list of pros and cons. Mm. Um, but I just, I just want people to know that if the trend continues, we will see higher fixed rates. And if you're looking to fix or you're thinking about fixing, just, just have those conversations over the weekend for me. Um, with your partner, with your with your financial planner or your financial professional, and just 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 understand whether or not you wanted to, and if you were thinking about doing it or you wanted to do it, now's a really really good time in my view to at least have that consideration. Again, rates could fall for all I know. I'm not predicting anything. Uh, I'm just saying, just be mindful because it's it's probable that rates don't stay at this level for for too long, particularly in, on the fixed rate uh, fixed rate side. Mm. Well, that's why the banks are putting the fixed rates up. Right, because that's, that's their <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. That's their view, right? Like they yes, they're correct. trying to make a margin here, and they're not going to make as much of a margin if rates go up. So they're they're putting their fixed rates up. So you know that's Bottom. now I, I, they could well be wrong. In fact, I remember reading a piece of re- this probably goes back about five years, and so <clears throat> and it's been an unusual five year period. Let's face it, <laughs> but. But I remember reading that on average, they did this big study, that on average over time, you're actually better not to do fixed. Um, yeah, right. It just, it's, 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 it's one of these things, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like renting versus buying. You can make good arguments yeah. on, on either side. Yeah. So I, it's, not, it's not like a black and white thing. This is obviously better or not. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this particular bit of research was sort of saying generally, historically at least, you, you've actually been better off not. But... Again, it's like me and renting, right? Like what, what a lot of these calculations don't factor into the peace of mind things, you know, those things totally. that don't fit into a spreadsheet. So I think yeah. we, you, we, you can't know what is, you just can't know what, what the best course of action is. Now you can have a, a view, a view yeah. on it, absolutely. But the value, the real value for, me, for my mind in fixing is that peace of mind because you know that no matter what, this is what I'm going to be paying back. And it's that... that Certainty, certainty has got a value. I think um, some people will be really happy with with the variability and 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 it be the kind of person that doesn't um, get bothered by that too much, um, and which is fine. Um, but but that's that to me is the value. I, I think if if you want to avoid um, any nasty shocks, then maybe it's maybe it's worth maybe it's worth doing. If it turns out that you were wrong to do so, well, you still mm. you still end up forking out what you were, you know in advance what you're going to have to fork out. Um, even if it turns out that I probably would have been a little bit better if I didn't do that, um, there's value in it. That's all I'm saying. Nice. I think that's, I think that makes sense. And, and that, look, I, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I have a suspicion <laughs> that you will do better fixing now because fixed rates are lower than variables, unless the variable is going to drop from here. And frankly, unless the RBA goes negative, I reckon if you could fix less than two percent, 
hedge your win, tells you don't lose, right? Because yep. if, yep. if, rate, if rates go down, they're already, your, your variable's probably 2.5, 2.6, 2.7, something like that, right? Mm. So the variable's got to fall below 2 before you start losing. Mm. And so even if it does, you're going to get whatever months of fixed before it does that. So you make, you make some money in the short term, even if it costs you a little bit in the long term. And as you say, mm. at worst, you pay no more than the fixed rate, which is stupidly low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm re- to your point, man. I'm rarely a proponent of fixed at all. Like I really, I don't, I don't remember having a strong view on fixed in the last ten years of my professional investing career, mm. and certainly before that. Mm. But I got to say, right now, that is, I, I would be. I, I'm not going to say people should do it because you've already highlighted the pros and cons. But I would be, I would be thinking very seriously about fixing. Um, again, again, whether you do or not, whether it's right for you, different question. But I think it's the odds. Are, the odds are pretty decent right now. I think that you'll do. That's it. Heads you win because you pay less than the variable. Mm. Tails you don't lose much because you're paying less than two percent. It's like you know, <laughs> where's where's the downside in either of those scenarios? So, um, I, I I think people should think seriously about it. But it's up yep. to individuals, and they should get they should get their own advice, of course. Yep, yep. And you know, hopefully you haven't leveraged yourself up to the eyeballs such that <laughs> half a percent moves going to wipe hey, you hey, out. Come on, come on, come on, away from property. Let's move on. <laughs> um, mate, I want to talk. Of, I want to talk a bit of a bit of a bit of boardroom, a bit okay. of corporate. A bit of corporate, uh, what's well, I was just shenanigans. A bit of corporate stuff. Mm-hmm. Two mm-hmm. interesting stories. I know you've got to view on the second one, so I'm going to leave it to last, so I get some sense <laughs> out of you up front. Uh, because uh, we, I did mention the topic before the show, and that might be why you're a little bit punchy to start with. I'm not sure. It might have been my fault. Uh, but um, let's talk about Blackmores for a second. I'm a Blackmore shareholder, so full disclosure there. I used to work at the company, so another another disclosure. Though I haven't worked there for years, and mm-hmm. I owe them no corporate loyalty. Um, have you been following the story? So Not closely, but yeah, give us a summary. So here's the thing, right? Marcus Blackmore, the son of the founder, ex-chair, ex-board member, ex-CEO, uh, uh, effectively left the company on less than perfect terms from reports, and I won't put words in anyone's mouth, but the reports are that there were, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't the uh, the best exit. Mm. Um, has suggested that he thinks there's a really great candidate for the board. And the board have said, no, 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 we recommend shareholders vote against this director. Now, Marcus, a 23% shareholder, could pretty much request and the board would be pretty, uh, it'd be pretty unusual for a board to reject a directed nominee from a 23% shareholder, right? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, just, it's, it's normally just general board courtesy and, and good governance that would happen. Mm. Marcus hasn't done that, but he said, hey, this guy, is, I, I think this guy would be good for the board. Um, we'll put him forward. And the board goes, no, no, we, we, don't, we don't need him. We don't like him. We don't know him. We don't want him. Uh, we recommend you vote against his appointment to the board. And then Marcus is out in the media telling the stories. The uh, I said, I'm a shareholder, so I got a letter from this particular direct, uh, potential director, director nominee, who said, hey, I think you should vote for me and here's why. Marcus can probably swing 40-plus percent of the votes cast because he's a 23% shareholder and everyone will vote. So mm. there's that. He'll have a couple of, a couple of, like quite a lot of loyal shareholders who've been long-term shareholders who are happy to say, well, if Marcus thinks it's right, I guess we go with it. Mm. And it just it just reminded me of, I guess, the whole idea of, you know, we, we don't often talk about boards as kind of what they are, which is people who are supposed to be working in the interest of shareholders for shareholders. They're our representatives on the board. They're not some separate committee of, you know, specially appointed people who can look after us little people and do us a favour. We literally, A, we pay their wages, but B, mm. they are there to represent the interests of owners. And I just thought in in... in you know, it's always there's always times when you know people. You know, Stephen Main famously tried to get on every board in the country twice. I think. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but you know, he's, he's been out for a lot of votes, and that's always that always makes news. This story, of course, made a lot of news because it's Marcus Blackmore, it's Blackmores, and there's a lot of money and all that stuff going on. And it just it just struck me that you know, for all of that, 
you kind of you kind of wonder in both cases who's looking after the individual shareholder here mm. does the board really think this guy can add nothing is is Marcus really right to say hey I want my guy on the board rather than someone who's going to represent everybody mm. um, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting challenge right and I, I wonder if you have thought, thoughts on that I, I'm not close enough to it what what what, what is what's the board particularly dislike about this candidate that have they said <laughs> Well, and this is this is when you ask the they're, they're different things. So, okay. what are they like them? Or what have they said? May well be two different things. I'm not going to speak to specifics. So I don't want to get sued by anyone, as always. So we, we try and avoid staying out of the. We try and avoid avoid being caught. Yes. Um, they're basically saying they don't need his need his skills and a, a, attention on the board. They've got the skills. They've got this guy doesn't bring anything new or different. They don't mm. need a larger board. They don't need an extra director. Um, effectively, he's not going to add any value to the board. Okay. Okay. And. On one hand, that has to be true at some level, right? If, if you and I and everyone else put up their own nominees and there was 115 directors, you know, they've got to say, okay, we don't have 115 directors on the board, so obviously we have to try and get the best people. Mm. On the other hand, I'm like, is it, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the son of the founder, the guy who ran the business, he's saying, hey, this guy might have some value to, to offer. And they're like, no, no definitely not. We, we, act, we specifically don't want him in particular on the board. I just find the whole thing... I, I can't work out whether it's ego, whether and again from either side, whether it's ego, whether it's good governance, whether it's genuine skills. Whether, you know, I, I can't work out on one hand why the board wouldn't want Marcus's input, why they think this guy's such a terrible director, why they want to run such a closed shop. On the other hand, you know, Marcus owns a quarter of the business. If he doesn't have confidence in the in the current board or the current management, then that's his own issue, right? And I, as a shareholder, I'm, I, you know, I'll speak for myself. You know, kind of caught in the middle of, I'm not sure what's going on, or who to believe, or what to think, or what to mm. do. I like Marcus. I've met him personally. I don't know him, but I've, I've met him. I've spoken to him a few times. He seems like a good guy who really cares about the business and its, and it's operations. So I'm kind of inclined to think, well, he obviously thinks this guy's got some skills that can help. On the other hand, the board's done a pretty good job recently of writing the ship after a pretty ordinary few years, kind of, you know, 16, 17, 18. Mm. Um, it's been a long time to get back to this, but it seems like it's working now and maybe maybe the board is doing the right thing. It's, it's a really funny one. You've got it's almost, you know, not quite your parents fighting, but <laughs> there is some sense of... Two, two reasonably decent, capable, thoughtful, positive groups of people both trying to do the best thing but with very different ways of doing it. And you think, well, where do you go in between this one? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a consideration, I think, for any company when there is there is a very substantial shareholder in there. It's it's kind of, what do they call it, a sidecar-type investment where you, you're along for the ride, right? There's, yeah, there's, that's right. Whatever they want, they're going to they're gonna get their way. So you, you do – your due mm. diligence should – should to some extent, you know, cover yeah. that that, that person, the, the caliber, the character of that person. I mean, you've got to assume they're trying because they've got so many mm. shares in the business. So they, they right, you, right. You would you would like to think that they're 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 very much aligned with you. But um, yeah, I, I think I think you've just got to have a firm view. Now there'll be some people out there who just think, well, Marcus is fantastic and he's. Mm. Done pretty well for the business over time, mm-hmm. so so you know he's he's he's. I'm, I'm, if he's saying this, I'm probably happy to back him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. On the other hand, earnings per share haven't gone anywhere in ten years. In fact, they've been declining mm-hmm. since 2016. So <laughs> um, it's a tough one. I'm not close enough to it, but but it does it does it is something that I do pay attention to when there are very significant shareholders in in the business. You've got to mm-hmm. you've got to. As best you can, uh, mm. uh, have some comfort with with what 
what their intentions and stuff are because they're just going to control everything. It's, it's a public business in name, but really it's kind of their business because they've got yeah. they've got full control. And the board can do whatever they like, um, but they're just going to get voted against in, in that, that instance. So I suspect Marcus will win, it, win in, this, in this case, right? Like, as you it's say... close. Yeah. 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 So some of the news reports put him at 40% plus of the cast votes. I guess if everyone votes in line with the board, you know, if they, if they vote in line with the board recommendation, mm. he doesn't make it. But yeah, I, I think you are right. And I think that's so as, as an investor in a company, Blackboard or someone else, maybe, maybe we should disembody it so we're not offending anybody. But if you had a business you liked, you own shares in, and there's this board fight going on, what do you, what do, you do? Do you kind of go, well, hopefully this creative tension leads to something more positive? Or do you kind of think, Man, if there's two kind of two sides at war with each other, that doesn't all go well for the business. Or, or do you do you just simply ignore it and say, well, it's all fine, it's all happening at the, you know, at the, at the privileged board table. That the business is still doing its thing. I'll focus on the business. How, how do you think about a, a board tussle like this? Oh, yeah. Well, firstly, it is it is second secondary to my thoughts on the quality of the business itself. And mm. I mean, there there are so many things sort of in, in, inherent structurally in a business where where obviously people are, are, are really important, but when you've got something incredibly strong, brands or moats or that kind of stuff, you can kind of put some idiots in charge and you'll still do well. It's what Buffett says, right? It's like a good business is one that an idiot can run well. Like it, it, that's that's what you kind of want. So I guess that that is why the business and the fundamentals and the all of that stuff is, is the first port of call. Um, if that's attractive... Uh, and then I'm starting to look at this. Mm, mm. I, I guess it's really hard because they, these are all things that don't fit into a spreadsheet, right? These are all mm. what uh, what is my impression of the quality of these people and their intentions and their alignment. It's it's. I don't have an easy answer for you, my friend. I, I really don't. In this particular instance, um, I don't know. I'd want to do some more reading because I said I'm not close enough. But this, it seems... <laughs> Like who is this person? Why? What is it they don't like about? I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. You're closer. You're closer to this. <laughs> well, I was like you generally rather about Black Wars in particular because I, I like I've got a, I've got a big rap on Marcus, right? I think he he is the heart and soul of Black Wars. The staff will do would walk over hot coals for him. Um, he 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 is the face, the the heart of the business, right? And and part of what makes it, I'll say, special. Um, you know, whatever word you want to use for that, and. Uh, you and I have talked before about uh, we'd rather, we like founders, we like we like people who are you know skin in the game, all that kind of stuff. When when a professional management class takes over an organisation, um, it, it brings a whole lot of potential risk with it that you don't have with a founder. Now it also brings some potential upsides because not every founder and this again, Marcus is the son of the founder, not the founder, but um, you know he's been the he's been the heart and soul of the business for such a long time. Mm. I don't know. I I mean I'm I'm kind of inclined to think, think well. Well, so first thing I should say, I, I'm with you, right? I, I'm going to trust the business itself is the business is the business, right? Um, people in Malaysia and Australia and Korea are going to take or not take Blackmores regardless of who's running the ship. So, you know, at a, at a consumer level, I'm not super worried about it. But I, I guess I am a little bit mindful of a board who would willingly say, thanks, dude, your time's over. We're not going to list you anymore. And I, and I, and I, would, I would have thought that any, any founder or, or you know, family, uh, founding family, who had some input into a business, where they've run the business, been involved in the business, been CEO, chair, all that sort of stuff, mm. to kind of go, yeah, no thanks, we don't need your input. Uh, that rubs me up the wrong way. Um, not, not out of any sense of obligation, but more out of a sense of 
to, to assume there's nothing to add, there's no value to add and, and the suggestions aren't welcome. Mm. I do worry a little bit about that circumstance, I have to say. And pick pick any company, right? Doesn't matter what it is. Um, frankly, Steve, you know, Steve Jobs getting booted from Apple, right? To go back to the Apple story, um, comes back eventually, re, re, you know, re, refixes the company. Why did he get booted? Because other people thought they knew better. Mm. And maybe they did and maybe this could have worked out differently. We don't, you know, you can't use single examples and, you know, the plural of anecdote is not data as they say. Um so you can't just you can't just do that and assume it's okay. Mm. But I do I do worry about a company that says, yeah, no thanks, pal. We're we're good from here. Yeah, we'll leave it with us. I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't I don't feel great about that. Mm. Mate, here's one I know you know you have a view on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> AGMs, annual yes. general meetings, the the biscuits and tea, the old fuddy duddies who got nothing else to do but turn up to AGMs, <laughs> and the government says, you know what? That's way past its prime. Isn't it about bloody time we got with the rest of the world? We got with the internet age. And we know that people have them online. And I think that's great. And you do too, don't you? I, well, let me... <laughs> <laughs> Pushes off the sight screen. Um, Pushes off the sight screen on a long run. Here we go. <laughs> having, having AGMs online is... There's no excuse <laughs> not to do it. I think it's, it's, it's... Not everyone lives in, you know, in, yeah. in, in the town. Not everyone can yeah. get there. Bloody hell, it's 2021. Like, it's not hard, right? Like, put a phone up the back of the room and you're done. It's not, you know, obviously, hopefully you can do it better than that. But but there's, <laughs> there's, there is no excuse. You yeah. need to make it as easy as possible for mm-hmm. your shareholders to listen to, and this is the important part, their employees, right? These, <laughs> yeah, they're right. my employees, right? I'm yeah. an owner. In, I might own 0.00001%. <laughs> I don't care. It's my business and it's mine and the rest of the shareholders' business. And we're coming along to see what our employees are doing um, and our representatives that are on the board are making sure they're holding them account. And I, you need to make it as easy as possible for everyone to attend that. And if they can't attend it live, they need to be able to attend it online. If they can't attend it online, there needs to be a recording that's made available. There's no excuse not to do it. It would literally cost the company, you know what, $600 for a professional Zoom account or something like it's nuts. So, mm. so yes, online Zoom, uh, online AGMs, absolutely every business should do it. To have only online is, I, to my to my mind, absolutely outrageous. Um, uh, yes, it's cheaper. Yes, it's more convenient, but it's different. You know, I I want to be able to go up and again, as I say, meet my employees, talk to them over over a, a you know a, an arrow root and a cup of tea. Um, you know, milk coffee, mate, milk coffee. <laughs> The coffee at AGMs is usually that horrible stuff in that big steel <laughs> container yeah. that, that they, you know, the Hyatt's charge oh, you 10, on, grand, not, 10 grand, to, you know, to be in this room and they, they put in a bunch of Nescafe. Anyway. They're not um, wasting your money, mate. They're not wasting your money on coffee. They're, they're doing the right thing by shareholders. Well, not, that's, that's true. Keep the cost down. That's, that's, that's true too. But, but, but I think, I think it's, it's, it's a way – AGMs are often uncomfortable for – well, depends mm. on what the business is doing. They're often – no CEO – or chairman wants to go to an AGM if <laughs> if the business is, hasn't been performing well because oh, you imagine it because you get a lot of angry shareholders and yeah. it sucks. But I kind of think, dude, you're well paid for it. Um, <laughs> it's your responsibility. I know it sucks, 
But but at the same time, if 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 you've been acting in good faith and you've got a good story to tell, or you know you've you've got a reasonable explanation as to what's going on, people just want people just want some a bit of clarity and certainty, and you need to give them that, right? It's 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 a fundamental right of owning something. So the the fact that they're trying to get rid of them altogether it just it makes me sick, to be honest with you. And they can they can use all kinds of weasel words to justify it, but there's there's no excuse. And and some of people say, yeah, but we, look, we hold the damn thing i've been to agms i've been to a lot of agms where literally if you take away the auditors and some of the staff it's like <laughs> me me one sell side analyst and a retiree <laughs> who's held shares since 1984 <laughs> but they're brilliant they're brilliant yeah, because it's yeah, just like oh yeah. no one's here i own i i i can say whatever i well, you know I, i've got as much time as i want with mm. my with my employees mm. to find out what's going on. i've also been to the woolies agm it's a complete okay. waste of time um, right. because there's it's a massive auditorium with you know 4000 people in there and you know it's just it's just it's, you don't get that that kind of contact but it's 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 just <laughs> I'm ranting at this point, but it just, it, <laughs> it, it's, yes, it's uncomfortable. I get why you don't want to do it. Too bad, so sad. It's your obligation. Shareholders have rights and they need, they need to have the opportunity to go up and speak to you. Except that, you, you mentioned the Woolies one, right? So for all of that, mm. for all of that, isn't that kind of the point? In this day and age with companies with thousands of shareholders, you know, to actually literally go and speak to someone in person, you and I have not met. We've done this podcast now for how many months, you know, remotely, effectively, you know, on Zoom. At the moment we're not because of your uh, MBN problems, but we'll leave that alone as well. <laughs> that, that, I, just quietly, I think that's the other reason he's a bit punchy, guys. You know, I, 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 I kind of take your point, but I kind of think, is it, is it really that last conversation where you go up and say, hi, you know, chairman so-and-so, chairwoman so-and-so, um, I want to talk to you about this thing. Uh, I, I, hasn't that day passed, mate? I mean, you know, for all for all of the positives you talk about, mm. it, you know, I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll say outright, we run a we run a very oh, I'll say very large, we are a decently large membership business at the Multi Full. You mm. do too, as straw man. Mm. I'm not available to every one of our members individually to talk to every time they've got a question or a problem or a concern. Right? I, just, I literally can't be otherwise the business model breaks. And, you know, is it is it really the is it really the narky person who can be bothered going and haranguing the chair of ANZ for not having the their local branch open after four thirty on a Thursday afternoon and and all that kind of stuff? Like, is is that really what AGMs are for? Should is that is that really how the rest of the shareholder base? You know, if, I, if I'm an ANZ shareholder, I'm like, you know what? I don't want you going home, give my, my chair or my CEO a hard time. Like, I, I get you got to be accessible and accountable, but man, like, mm. you know, in this day and age, I don't know, I. I I would have thought it's I, – honestly, I was surprised you were so fired up about it, mate, because I looked at it and went, oh, fair enough. I kind of, you know, uh, is in this stage with, with Zoom and everything else, mm-hmm. as long as there's nothing hidden, as long as everything's done in the full glare of everything else, um, as long as Michelle's got a chance to pose questions and that kind of stuff, which frankly, even at some in-person CEOs, they shut down the shareholder questions anyway yeah. uh, and then disappear out the back with, you know, security and, and all that sort of stuff running interference mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just – I can't get worked up about it. It's just not something I – you know, I'm a massive, massive proponent of shareholder um, uh, democracy and of, you know, making sure that shareholders are looked after and those people do work for us, absolutely. But they work for all of us, not just, you know, not just the cranky bloke who wants to go and have a, have a rant or, a, or the lady who wants to go and whinge about the local bank branch. It's like, actually, no, you know, I'm happy for you to sort of respond, represent mm. us, answer reasonable questions reasonably in whatever forum. 
and then get back to work. I don't know. Is, is that is that too? Have I given up? Well, I know exactly what you're talking about because that that, that was the that was the Woolies experience. Uh, AGM, you know, someone complaining about her local branch didn't have the biscuits that she and like you know you see us going. I've got bigger yeah. stuff. To, so yeah. it is it is incredibly frustrating, but it's just yeah. it's a step in the wrong direction. I do wonder if it's sort of right. just slowly eroding those kinds of things. And you know, as much as it sucks, and as a lot of much of it must might be unnecessary. It's one day out of the year. You know, you can make you you're, you're paid twenty squillion trillion dollars a year. You know, <laughs> suck it up. And if you don't want to do it, we'll find someone who does. It's 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 more about being shown to be sort of accountable and be there and be maybe there are smarter ways of managing the meetings. I'm, I'm all I'm all for that. But just to get rid of it altogether, it just seems it seems. It's yeah. It seems like it's a it's it's not going in the right direction, um, and I'm not surprised at all that it's sort of COVID's been a nice little cover for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going conspiracy now. Oh no 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 not that. But it's, it's oh okay. You no, know, it's not a conspiracy at all. It's it's just <laughs> I, I, it's one of these things that you can you can sort of justify with things that sound really reasonable. At the end of the day, mm. every single board and senior management team go, oh thank God we don't have to do that anymore. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, you kind of do, dude. I, I feel I feel as like, you know it's sort of like. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example here. It's like with politicians, all right? I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of crackpots and difficult situations they have to deal with. That comes with the territory, you know. Yeah. That's that's democracy. That's how it works. That's how it should work. Um, you know, the, the local town hall meeting. You know, the mayor should be there fronting questions, even if people are being unreasonable and throwing tomatoes. It, it's, but, but that's, why personnel? Like, why? What in this day and age? Like, you know, you're you're a, you're a new age guy. You got an internet business. Mm. Yeah, like, I just I'm just not into, like I, I take the general accessibility question. I'm just really still not sure that online is such a big deal or that not being online is uh, not being in person is actually the problem. Like of all, of all the things, everything else has been online these days. Does it really need to be in person? You really need to be able to stand in front of someone rather than use electronic means to do exactly the same thing. That's a bit I kind of can't get excited about. Well, it's just it's easier it's easier to control and muzzle and that kind of stuff as well. So you don't know what what the mood of the room is like. You don't know what people have put their hands up that aren't being given the airtime or aren't being put through to the to you know their cameras not being turned on. You don't you don't know what what you don't know kind of thing. It just it's it's it gives it gives the company a greater flexibility to control the meeting. And and that's not what it's about. It's it's a, it's about the shareholders. It's entirely about the shareholders. It's for it's the whole purpose is for the shareholders. It's not about making things a little bit more comfortable and convenient for you. I guess you. I mean, I know you're right. I know you're right. But I just it feels as like <laughs> it's a princ, it's a principled thing, you know. And mm. and maybe I'm just getting old. But I, I feel as though it's a step in the in the wrong direction. And as I said at the start, absolutely have it online. Absolutely manage it in a very intelligent way. But 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 you know, give give me the chance to 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 come along and have my say and put my hand up and look look people in the eye and yeah, body language is really important. I think you know, I I I, I genuinely do think that I, I uh, how people carry themselves, answer them, uh, answer their questions. It just—it's all. I don't know. Maybe I'm over over uh, estimating my my ability to to read people, <laughs> but mm. but I do. I really. I don't think enough shareholders go to AGMs. Um, I, I think it's a very 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 particularly in small cap land where I inhabit. I, I think it's just such a great opportunity, and you'd be surprised the information that you not inside information by any stretch, but just insight that that you just don't get in any other forums. And if that was to be shut down personally. 
yeah, okay, ANZ and Woolies, okay, this, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But for the companies that I tend to follow, where it's a very different beast, where there's where's much smaller audience, and it, it's just such a valuable thing, I, 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 would, I would really lament that, that passing. Get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> well, yeah, and just suck it up, you know. And if you don't like it, if you don't like it, quit. Hand, hand, hand the keys back to, to the company if you don't like it. Um, it's just it comes with the, it comes it comes with the territory. Fair enough, too. And you want better biscuits and better coffee. <laughs> I don't want them to spend. It's like uh, um, uh, what's that? Uh, Soul Pat's guy. You know, thicker the carpet, the thinner the dividends. Thinner the kind. dividends. Yeah, Robert well, Milner. Yes, that's yes. the one. Thank you. Gone blank there, but yeah. So I, def- yeah. I definitely don't don't think it should be you know hay rides and Ferris wheels and show bags <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> so uh, better coffee for Andrew, nothing for everybody else. Is I, that just, what I'm ju- I just I just want I want a forum where we can get together and we can talk about the business in an open, candid way. And 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 any anything that sort of slightly erodes that, I think, is a step in the wrong direction. Said clearly on a podcast run by two blokes with online businesses. But no, that's fine. No, <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Here's the other. Here's the other thing. Right? Ne- neither Strawman or Motley Fool are public companies. Like the shareholders, if, if the shareholders of my business, which you could count on one hand, want to talk to me, they they absolutely have the right to talk to me, and I will always make myself available because they are part owners of, of the business. And I, I would imagine it's the same for the Motley Fool. That doesn't mean that, you know random Bob from the street gets to come in and gets to find out. I mean, they're they're different. When we are talking about ownership, I think you have a right as an owner. It's it's enshrined in law. And, um, and those, those, any, anything that, 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 as I say, (laughs) moves us away from that is a bad thing. Fair enough. I reckon we're pretty much done, mate. That was a wonderful ranty episode that I'm sure our listeners will have thoroughly enjoyed. If you'd like more rants from Andrew, check out strawman.com. Strawman is apparently a private investment ranting site. I mean, private investment club. Um, So check out strawman.com, where Andrew does not always rant. Uh, You can get Andrew as well on Twitter at Sage underscore Simeon, where I haven't seen you rant for a while, mate, but you must be overdue for one. So whack something up there this week for me, just so our, our listeners have got something to go and check out. Uh, you can also get Strawman at, at, on Twitter at, at Strawman Invest. Sorry, one word, at Strawman Invest. Uh, if you want to get The Motley Fool on Twitter or on Instagram, try The Motley Fool AU. I'm on Twitter and Insta at TMF Scott P. And you can get The Motley Fool on Facebook, The Motley Fool Australia, or I'm Scott Phillips Money. Uh, you can, of course, check out The Good Oil Podcast. Cracking episode this week, mate, if you haven't learned it yet. I'm sure you have, but pretend you haven't just because it's better theatre that way. Tell me uh, about with, it. <laughs> with Greg McKenna, who was the CEO of Police Bank. Do you, know, do you remember Greg from the old Sky Biz days, mate? Oh, I do. Oh, is that yeah, Greg you remember Greg? Yes, I do. One of one of life's very good guys, can I say? A really lovely bloke, a really thoughtful guy. Mm. Um, frankly, his his background is actually trading and, and kind of you know chart reading, which is not our thing at all. Mm. Um, but we share an interesting behavioural economics, the economy in general. Really fantastic chat. He's now the CEO of Police Bank. Uh, has been a director for years. <laughs> And is fascinating. if you're not following LinkedIn, mate, if you, if you do, I'd suggest that because he's been sharing a whole lot of leadership lessons and stuff like that. So he kind of did economics, a bit of banking and a bit of leadership. It was a really, really, really fun chat. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure our listeners will get, grab a notepad when you do it because um, some really good takeaways, some great books to listen to, or sort of to read, sorry, listen to if you're doing it on Audible. Um, awesome, just some great, great, great insights. So yeah, check out the Good Oil podcast, my episode with Greg. There's a whole lot of other ones there. Rosalind Kogan, of course, Eliza Rowan, Stephen Kukoulos, uh, and Kate Morris from Adore Beauty. So a good list of episodes already stacked up for you to check out at your leisure. 
some really good listening as you're going about your time. And particularly if you're going back to work and you're starting to travel again as we're getting out of lockdown, you'll need some listening in the car or the train or the bus. Um, so, yeah, check out the Good Oil Podcast if you wouldn't mind and uh, give, it, give it some stars. We haven't asked you for some stars for a while. If you could give us some stars at The Motley Fool Money or give The Good Oil Podcast some stars, we'd thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. That'll do us, mate. We'll come back on Sunday. Yep, let's do it, as always. We'll see you on Sunday for our special mailbag edition. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691. Listener.